This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Today it's uh, Tim Van der Madelen and he's the uh, National MP for Waikato. Hello, Tim. Good morning, Brian. It's good to have you with us and uh, hey, Christmas is just around the block there and uh, you had a big day the other day with the uh, leader uh, being with you at uh, Morrisville, I see. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was fantastic, actually. So, um, obviously, I've gone through a bit of a period over the last couple of weeks, which has been, um, you know, challenging and, uh, you know, not ideal. But ultimately, we've come out the other side of it, and and I'm confident we're in a stronger position. Chris Luxon's our new leader, and I was delighted to be able to host him for his very first public meeting as leader um, in Morrinsville. So, yeah, we had a fantastic turnout there. Several hundred people turned out on a, a very hot afternoon, <laughs> as it was. We held it outdoors. With a big um, cow. But it was really great. Yeah, with a big yes, cow. Yes, a mega yeah. cow there. <laughs> yeah. It's cow farming. So, oh, of course yes, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very symbolic of the rural sector, I suppose. But uh, that was part of the reason, just to you know, make sure he was getting out very early in his leadership to yes. connect with rural New Zealand, to understand some of the challenges and opportunities in that space, and what better place than the Waikato to do that. Yes, indeed. Well, it certainly was a uh, good uh, publicity thing. And uh, tell us, how do you feel about all the changes down there? It must have been a very hectic week or so. Oh, yeah, look, it certainly was. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> I think most people would agree that's not, you know, not what they wanted to see, that sort of um, an internal dispute. But ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, we've gone through that period of change now yep. and... Um, I'm confident we're in a much better position. It, uh, I've got some new responsibilities out of it as well myself. So my yes. portfolio is now uh, defence and yes. veterans, yes, and horticulture and associate agriculture. Um, so yeah, so that aligns quite nicely. So with that's going to my background. That's going to keep you going pretty much, won't it? Those uh, particular <laughs> portfolios, I imagine. Well, that's right. I still need to see my teeth into it, and look, this is part of the challenge. Uh, of having a slightly smaller team than we did over the last parliamentary term is there's still the same amount of work to be done but just less M- MPs to do it. So yep. we all have multiple portfolios now and that's absolutely fine. I, I always love the challenge and uh, this will give me plenty to sink my teeth into. Yes, that's for sure. I, I looked at it in the paper and I had it along here with me and I thought, well, that's going to keep uh, Tim pretty busy, I should imagine. Uh, but you're going to get a cr- <laughs> Christmas break, I hope. Yes, yeah, that's right. So, look, um, from from that perspective, timing-wise, it, it's nice to have the upcoming um, Christmas recess when Parliament's not sitting. So we'll be able to get a little bit of downtime with the family, which will be lovely, of course, but then yep. also be able to get back into it before Parliament sits and, and make sure I'm up to speed on any of the issues um, that are coming up in these portfolios. So my focus will be on getting out and connecting with stakeholders, mm-hmm. foremost to... Um, I hear directly from them, yeah. uh, and then we'll start looking at where we might potentially go with alternatives um, as we progress through next year. Right, and that's going to be a pretty good one next year. I think it's going to be a busy year for everybody. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, opening of borders, the risk of uh, spread of the uh, COVID? Mm. Yeah, look, ultimately I support the border opening. Um, you know, yep. I view is actually we've got now to a position where we have very high levels of vaccination. Yes. Uh, people are very aware of the process. Anyone 
Um, well, everyone has had an opportunity to get the vaccine. If they've chosen to do so or not is ultimately up to them. Yeah. Most people have, and, and that's good. I encourage them to. Um, but now we need to get back to letting the country operate in the air as normal as possible. You know, the traffic light system is a bit confusing and it's still <laughs> quite restrictive. Yeah. Um, and I'm hearing still every day from constituents getting in touch saying, well, what does this mean? Can I or can't I do this yeah. or that or whatever it may be? <laughs> um, and it, it's impacting businesses and it's still impacting communities. Yes, and you think last year or a normal year, I mean, this time of year would be absolutely manic with yeah. community events, Christmas parades and all those sorts of things, but we're just not seeing anywhere near that level of community involvement, which is um, worrying. You know? Of course, there's an impact and we need to do what we can to protect against COVID, but at the same time, we need to ensure that people can still uh, live life. Yeah. And I, I think we've gone a little bit too far with some of the restrictions in place, and I'd like to see them wound back. Sure. Oh, that, that's a great one. I never ever thought of anything like this happening in all my life but here it is it's right with us and uh, it's right around the world and i think we're co coping with uh, much better than some countries well that's right i mean there are a number of international examples where you know things haven't been so great and we've seen more lockdowns used um but now you know in, in most places where there's a high level of vaccination uh, those countries are getting back to business yep. and just enabling people to go back to their normal lives and have the freedom uh, they did prior right. to these lockdowns. So now we need to get back to that sort of a position as well. We are very much an outwardly focused country in terms of trade, tourism. Um, you know, We need to have that access across borders. Plenty of people with friends and family in Australia that they're not going to be able to see for Christmas, which mm. is a real shame. Absolutely. Now, ultimately, we're saying... Well, the government has said, hey, we're going to open back up in the new year, but you know, what's the difference in risk level today in uh, a month's time? So, you know, it would be really nice if they could just have a bit more flexibility, especially with um, people wanting to travel back from Australia to enable that to happen because there are so many family connections there. Yeah. Really, it would, you know, I can't see why they can't just do that aspect now. Okay, we'll wait and see how they do it. They may do it just before Christmas. We'll wait and see. Um, the, one of the controversies that I've run across in talking to councillors, city councillors, that is, is the government takeover of all the waters. Uh, where would National stand with that? Mm. Yeah, look, Brian, we've been pretty clear. We would wind back the proposed three water changes. Yeah. Ultimately, these sorts of decisions should be made at a local level. Yep. Uh, councils a better place to understand the needs of their ratepayers around the water services required. Um, so, so that's our pretty clear stance on that. But ultimately, it, the impact it has is quite significant. It catches a lot of farmers as well. If you're supplying drinking water to houses on farms, to yep. farm workers, for example, then you can get captured under this as well. Um, so there's some of those unintended consequences. Mariah as well can potentially be captured under this. So ultimately, it's an overreach. Of course, there's some areas that need to improve their water uh, services, but that should be done on a council-by-council um, council basis rather than this broad-brush uh, government-knows-best approach. Well, that's how I feel, and I think most of the councillors I've spoken to feel a bit the same way. Uh, none of them would mm. commit themselves when I said, oh, the rate's going to go down. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> 
possibility they might. But housing costs, that's another one with uh, a lack of material now is a big uh, big problem for New Zealand. Yes, it has. Um, goodness, that's escalated um, over this COVID uh, lockdown as well. And, and look, there's a lot of that which is outside our control because we do import the majority of our building products. Yep. And so from that perspective, international supply chains and shipping routes, those sorts of things are directly contributing. Um, now, we had an interesting briefing from a number of port companies at our Transport and Infrastructure Select Committee a few weeks back, and they were all um, in agreement that this was at least another 12 to 18 months worth of uh, disruption to the global shipping supply lines. So and we're not going to see the end of it anytime soon. And so that means we just need to be doing everything we can domestically to try and ease some of that pressure because there's builders out there now that just simply can't get materials. Right. I'm hearing of cases where small businesses, small construction businesses are shutting up shop to go and work for the larger ones because that's the only way they can get materials. And some of these larger companies have a bit more sway. Um, and in some cases, there's been a bit more forward planning or, or stockpiling or call it what you will. Um, and so that's having a the unintended consequence of seeing small, some small businesses closing. Yeah. And of course, then you've got the extra cash flow pressure of having to order materials further in advance, yeah. the increased cost, not only for the companies, but for those trying to build a house. Yeah. Uh, first home buyers in particular are now facing a massive escalation in cost to get their project done. So yeah, it's a real concern. I haven't uh, yet seen a clear plan for how the government might try to navigate through or, or limit some of this impact. It's going to be a big one and it's something that's going to have to be addressed in the new year anyway, if it can't be addressed before Christmas probably. Um, one of the other things I uh, thought I'd just bring up and uh, that, and uh, we seem to be getting a heck of a lot of violence and there's drug big concerns and all that sort of stuff. How can we clamp down on the, the drug thing? It must be coming in from overseas. Mm. Yes, there is a, a lot of... Um drug trafficking that still comes in across borders for mm. a range of uh, different pretty inventive methods actually <laughs> um, so you know our customs team are doing some amazing work there there is you know whether it's stopping vessels coming in a, across yep. our territorial waters or whether it's uh, illegal shipments that are somehow trying to bypass the customs system or, or any number of mechanisms mm. there, there are real concerns there. ultimately though we need to continue to have a really strong stance on this sort of criminal activity yeah. it is incredibly disruptive and destructive to our communities you know and, and it leads to all sorts of other crime you know yeah. fueling drug addiction um burglaries are a, a sure. result of people you know trying to get the money to buy drugs all these sorts of challenges that are flow on effects of, yeah. of the drugs themselves um so we need to see a stronger stance on criminal activity um, concerned at the moment we're not seeing that. Uh, we've seen a police minister that hasn't been sending the right signals in, in my mind. Um, you know, we're not seeing the strong stance we should be right. in terms of criminal behaviour. We need to see more police out there as well. Yeah. The government had some ambitious targets that they haven't delivered on around the number of new police. And of course at the moment we've got a very high number of police operating border checkpoints or, or some other COVID related duties. Yeah. They're actually taking them away from what they would normally be doing. And, yeah. of course, that leaves a void. And so we've seen um, burglaries and any number of other um, 
criminal activity that's not necessarily being investigated as it might have pre-COVID. And so that is a real concern as well. And the other one that, uh, of course, with with all that is the uh, the fact that uh, the police are being shot at and that sort of thing. How did National feel about arming the police? Mm. But yeah, so too big a question. Around gen- yeah, the general arming of police is a, a really challenging one. Ultimately, I'd love to think we could be in an environment where that's not necessary. Yes. Uh, but when you look at some of the statistics around the rapid increase in violent crime and, and firearms-related criminal activity over the last few years, it is significant. And on top of that, uh, you can look at the police. Um, they've done their own internal surveys around the views on general arming, yep. and it has come back with overwhelming support. And that is a significant change from only the last couple of years. Mm. And, and so when you look at that, we're hearing consistently from frontline police saying they don't feel safe in their job, they don't feel supported, they need additional resources. Mm. So I think that's a conversation we absolutely need to be having to say is this appropriate or not. Yes, um, We're one of only a few countries where it's not happening. Uh, I'd love to think we don't need it, uh-huh. but I suspect that might be a, a naive view that's no longer relevant in the current environment when we are seeing such escalations in criminal activity, particularly around firearms. And of course, we just saw the other day the sentencing of that terrible um, guy, I'm not even going to say his name, no. who uh, killed the police officer, Matthew Hunt, up in Auckland. Yes. 27 years, which was a fantastic sentence. That was under the three strikes law, yeah. the second strike for him. Well, he won't be so seeing much of the world for a while. But, uh... Yes, yep. So, look, that's a good response. But we have been seeing, you know, I think the signals have been too soft over the last few years and criminals are feeling emboldened and so we need to see a much stronger stance on crime. Fair enough too. Well I'm going to let you go now Tim and uh, time running out on our time here and um, you'll be going the house will break up and so forth we won't be able to talk to you again until about the end of January, would that be okay? Absolutely, yes, no problem at all. So yes, we have our last week of Parliament this week, yes, um, and then we have a bit of a break. So yeah. I hope you all get a good break as well and very much yeah. look forward to catching up in the new year. Merry Christmas to you, Brian, and Thank to all the listeners. Thank you very much indeed, Tim, and I hope it all goes well. Lay on the beach or do what you do, you relax. It's going to be a big year <laughs> next year. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, go well. Bring it on. Catch you. I'll Thank catch you, you about the end of January. I'll get in touch with you. Will do. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.